Well, hello, Chris Evans here with this week's edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky. Coming up, the legend that is Sir Tom Jones, talking about the inspiration behind his 41st album, what? Uh, Surrounded by Time, and they're just the ones in the studio. Uh, There's more if you count the live ones. Hollywood's finest Gillian Anderson revealing all about Arben's latest Christmas animation creation, Robin Robin, which is available now on Netflix, seeing it's gorgeous. The one and only Robert Plant talking about his brand new album, Raise the Roof, along with Alison Crash. They've done it before, they're doing it again. It's awesome and goalkeeping great. Peter Schmeichel discusses his brilliant autobiography, One. All of that and so much more to come, so let's get right to it. It's not unusual to love our next guest, and he's just (laughs) given you another reason to fall for him. The new single, Not Dark Yet, is out now, and the latest album, Surrounded by Time, the Hourglass Edition, is out next Friday. So join us as we say, my, 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 it's Tom Jones! Yes, Dave, you did it, Tom! How are you, Tom? I'm great, thank you. What a beautiful day, isn't it, today? It's wonderful. My goodness me. Stunning, stunning, stunning. Great to have you here, man. Thank you. So excited to see you. So excited to see you um what a year it's been for you a number one album at the age of 80 bravo how's it feel it feels great i mean it feels wonderful i didn't know when (laughs) when i got my first uh number one album i I didn't know that i would i would get another one when i was 80 yeah and now you're 81 i didn't i I didn't even know whether i was going to live that long then (laughs) you know you don't you don't know do you when you're young you just you hope. What if you're the first person to live forever? The way you look, the way you are. Well, I'm, that would be... I'm pretty you past know, you. Yeah. If somebody, when somebody says to me, well, if you could have anything in the world, what would it, what would it be? Yeah. To live forever. Yeah, of course it would. I, immortality. Who wants to leave this party? I don't. No. I'm not, fr- I'm not afraid of dying, but I just don't want it to happen. I just want to be here. Well, this is it. I mean, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. You can't be frightened of things, but uh, it would be wonderful if you didn't, didn't have to didn't face have it, to, wouldn't uh, it? Well, may- maybe it doesn't. Maybe, maybe we'll see. You think so? Well, who knows? I hope so. Uh, what about your first album? You, you, you mentioned that. I don't know what your first album was. I don't know when it was. Uh, well, my first album was uh, called Along Came Jones. Right. Number one? And it, no, that no, that didn't go to number one, but okay. uh, but it was it was up there, you know. So um, yeah, but that was the first album. What about your first number one album then? Uh, first number one, I can't remember. I think it was uh, might have been Help Yourself. I think it was Help Yourself. <laughs> I love the fact you can't remember. No, I think it was <laughs> Help you Yourself. Had so many. Well, you know, you know, they're up there. You you think, uh, but now it seems more important to me because of me being around so long. Yes. You know, now I remember these things. But when you're young and you 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 know you you're in it and you're going and you uh, you think, wow, it's a hit record. Yeah. You know, and and it's in the top ten or it's in the top five or. Uh, it's it's um, yeah. I think it was uh, help yourself. I think that was the first. Wow. I mean, uh, we <laughs> talked about this last time when you were on uh, the phone talking about your album um, yeah. in the week of it becoming number one. About mm. the fact that when you came on TFI Friday for the first time, um, uh, you were the same age then as I am now, right? Wow. And it's that's really interesting. I find that really interesting for so many different reasons. Bob Geldof was on the show a couple of weeks ago, right. a couple of days after his seventieth birthday. So Bob, my my old boss, he's seventy. Robert Plant was on the show yesterday. He's seventy-three. Paul McCartney's seventy-nine. Roger Daltrey played live for us a couple of weeks ago. He's hmm. seventy-three as well. And Mary Berry's still smashing it. Delia Smith smashing it. Dawn French is in her sixties now. Is it just because we're getting older that we think it's okay and and cool and groovy and easy to be older, or do you think it's different now? <laughs> do I think the world is different now? Do you think, or... No. Do you think? Do you think age is a lot less relevant than it ever has been? Uh, well, I don't know. I've never been eighty before. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've never been this old before. But, what so... do you, but do you, how do you feel? How old do you feel? Oh, nowhere near it. Right. It's in my brain. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and thank God my voice is still uh, alive Amazing. and well. Amazing. And I can still uh, sing. You know, and it's flexible and it's yeah. powerful and it's, and it's still there. So it, that's the thing that um, it's it's only when you when you try to do something physically. Yeah, yeah. Not going into too many details, yeah. but when you try to do things physically, you know, then you realize, wow, you know, at one time I could do this easy, but now it's, I can't do you, it. Are you easy. still using inversion therapy? Yeah, I was on it this morning. Were you? Yeah, yeah, I'm upside down. Soon as I, <laughs> soon, <laughs> soon as I wake up and get myself together, you know, I, I got it in the, in the bathroom. And yeah, I, so what? So you stand in these sort of, I don't know what they're, what they're like, you, so you, yeah. you, you tie yourself down. You uh, still, no, you do. You slot yourself in. <laughs> yeah. It's a frame, is it a frame? It's a frame, yes. Right, come on. So you've you got to make sure that your ankles are locked. Right, locked in. You, you get your stand on the thing, you lock your ankles in, right. and then it, you go upside down, and you hang 
by, by your ankles, you how, see. How do you turn yourself upside down? Is it a lever? Is it electric? How does it work? Yeah, well, no, it's like momentum. You know, you just lean backwards. All right. And away you go. And any chance just get it back up is, is, is a bit, of a, a bit any, of a problem. Any chance of getting stuck? <laughs> well, I, I've thought about that when I'm actually hanging upside down. I think I hope I can get back up. Do you, do you have any advice for, like, Bob Geldof at the age of 70? I mean, what, what was the decade like, 70 to 80? How was that for you? For my decade, you yeah, mean? No, or no, the yeah, 70s to no, the no, 80s? No, for you, being 70 to 80. Oh, yeah. Well, it's... Um, uh, yeah, it's been it's been really good the, the last 10 years yeah, or yeah. 11 years now because I'm 81. Incredible, isn't it? it's so incredible. it's, um, yeah, but I, I really don't think about age too much, honestly. Right. And that's fine. As long as you feel good, you see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you try, I try and keep as fit as possible. Yeah. And uh, my voice, again, yeah. is, is working. So um, I don't feel effects as much. Yeah. You know, that um, I haven't start, you know, if my voice started to get a little shaky, you know, and I couldn't use it as well as I do, yeah. then I would think, oh, my God. But I'm, it really I'm, is strong. I mean, just you talking it. now, and you know, you know, you're not making an extra effort here. This is just, this is normal yeah. conversational volume. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. Tom, it's great to see you, man. Great to see you. Seriously, it's and great thanks for the support, you know, with the, with the album and everything. Yeah, mate, you're welcome. You know, playing it and everything. You're absolutely welcome. And, um, well, what's, if you had to pick one performance from your whole career, mm. um, if you can think of one, if you can't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you, if you have one, what, what, which would you go for? Oh, that, that's difficult. Right. Because, because there's been so many I know. high points, honestly. Yeah. It's, um, but a day at Elvis's house in Hawaii is hard to beat. Th- yes. Might it be that? Uh, yeah, okay. I'll settle <laughs> May- for that. Maybe. That's only maybe. <laughs> I'll settle for that. Because it was a great day. We had a, all day we were all right. singing and carrying on. It was well, wonderful. Honestly, I love this job anyway, but every day is even greater whenever you pitch up, so you're very welcome anytime. Thanks, ha- Chris. Happy Christmas, Tom. Thank you. You too. Right, Tom Jones, not dark yet. From the brand new edition of Surrounded by Time, the Hourglass edition, you can pre-order it now at tomjones.com, and it's out a week tomorrow, my friends. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All right, superstar guest time now. Dapper Dave, over to you. Whether it's chasing aliens or portraying politicians, our next guest gets it right every single time. The new animation, Robin Robin, is available on Netflix from tomorrow. And here to tell us more is an actor that can play both Margaret Thatcher and an animated cat with terrifying conviction. It's Gillian Anderson. Good morning, Gillian. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, how are you today? I'm very good. How are you doing? I'm very well. Congratulations on this amazing, um, beautifully uh, small and perfectly formed uh, Christmas offering. (laughs) Gillian, I didn't know. I thought you were were playing the Robin, okay? I'm thinking, for the first, like, 15 minutes, I'm thinking, she's very good at that younger voice. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And Um, then you heard the cat, and you knew it was me after all. Ah, there she is. There's Margaret Thatcher. Um, oh gosh, yes. Please, please don't tell me the cat sounds like Margaret Thatcher. Well, I mean, you know, who did who did you portray um, initially? You know, um, in your beautiful acting um, sort of talent, uh, well of infinite gold as as the most scary Margaret Thatcher or this this terrorising cat. Um, uh, who, who did I, I mean? Who did I enjoy playing more? Well, you know, who do you think was scary? Who do you think scariest? Who was scarier? For the viewer? Well, I hope. Well, that's yeah. I, I guess the jury's out on that. But mm. uh, uh, the cat was very fun to play. I, I don't get to play evil, evil, evil. I mean, the cat's not evil, evil. She's just hungry and manipulative and self-obsessed. <laughs> but um, I guess so is Margaret Thatcher. No, I won't say that. Um, uh, it was fun. I, I, I've done a couple of animations, and this was certainly I've, uh, the most immersive experience. Okay, and you're working with the geniuses at Aardman, by the way, the, yeah. acad- the multi-academy award-winning Aardman. I used to be a huge fan of Wallace and Gromit yeah, and those films. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. a fan, always a fan. All right, so let's talk about the plot. So little Robin Robin, um, she hatches her egg, and Mummy's nowhere to be seen. What happens next? Well, I guess she she, she falls into a uh, a family of mice. She falls into a, a, a a rubbish dump that is filled with a family of mice and uh, who raise her, a, a father and five children. She becomes part of the family. And as she grows up, um, her differences uh, she, uh, become more apparent. Robin is not a mouse, but as she um, as she kind of sets off in her life, uh, she realizes that uh, one, she really wants to be a really good mouse, but then at the end of the day ends up discovering who she really is, and um, and it's it's a really lovely it's a lovely animation. I love felt animation, stop motion animation, and the characters are are delightful, and the stories 
a, a wonderful story of family and um, celebrating differences and learning to love yourself and embracing, they say, embracing those that may have fallen out of the nest, which is a <laughs> wonderful uh, concept. And uh, uh, it's a lot of fun. My, even my teenagers enjoyed it. I know. And also you're 20-something uh, little one. That's not so little and, anymore. That's my 20-something little one, yes. But um, it, that, that's, that's less uh, predictable than, uh, or more predictable than the boys. The boys yeah, but who, our... yeah, don't like anything, really liked it and wanted but, to but see But Ardman just nailed everything. But it is a, it is a, it is a portrayal of one's true nature um, and uh, somebody thinking they have to adapt when they don't and then it's a it's a it's a tale of community um and also mm. uh, gluttony and mater- <laughs> materialism because there's, there's a, the magpies in there oh my gosh you know, the magpie and the magpie song is one of the best things that's happened all year yeah we haven't mentioned it. it's a musical by the way this is a full-on half yes. an hour uh, miniature um, animated musical from the geniuses album with with stellar um, talent on board as well, uh, like Gillian. But the magpie represents materialism, which is a, a brilliant, a brilliant take brilliant, on, on, brilliant. on so and, much. And, and Richard E. Grant plays a magpie, yeah. and he gets to sing this amazing song uh, that is, I, I think, we'll all be singing it around Christmas time. But you know that whole thing about it's all about this, it's all about having all this stuff, and then you know, um, uh, at the end of the day, you don't need all the you stuff. You don't need any we of the really stuff. Don't need the stuff. We just need family. We the, just need family and friends, and to embrace ourselves and our differences. Yeah, and then. And the, the mice get accused uh, of, of being sneaky by a, by a, basically everyone apart from Robin, who thinks she's a ma- mouse, but she isn't. She's still a Robin. It's great that she doesn't. She, she, she says, "I'm a really rubbish mouse because you're a Robin. It's yes, fine." But it's good. the mice then get accused of being sneaky. But that's what that's a mouse's job. That's what yeah, that's what mice do. They sneak. <laughs> Robin really wants to sneak, but she's really bad at sneaking, and she's bad at sneaking because she's. A robin. I know. And and the first twenty, all the robin wants and all the mice want is a crumb. They just want some crumbs. They dream of a sandwich, but they'll they'll take whatever they get. They'll take the crumbs, but they they can't get them. They can't get them. Everybody, Mm -hmm. they can't get them. And Robin keeps messing it up. I know. And keeps failing or think that she's failing until she embraces who she is and does it the way that she's <laughs> that she does it best. Uh, Gillian, take that. lovely work from you and your pals uh, in Robin Robin. Ardman Animation's brand new Robin Robin. It's gorgeous. It's Ardman's first musical. It's a mini musical that's half an hour. It's absolutely stunning. Available tomorrow on Netflix via Sky Q. And Gillian stars in The First Lady. Coming to us next year, Gillian, that, The First Lady? Yeah, yes, yes, next year in the spring. Oh, she was, she was on her way. By, she uh, was off then. <laughs> she was what, off. What? It sounded like you're off then halfway out the door oh, uh, oh sorry sorry <laughs> yeah i kind of was I but, n- but, but don't take it personally i, I could tell uh, no i won't i'll keep the main <laughs> no. thing the main thing and i'm going to keep it in the day uh jillian thanks so much for your time thank you very much a pleasure always you're awesome the best of the chris evans breakfast show with sky virgin radio he's one of the most important figures in music and he just keeps delivering the goods the new album with alison krauss raise the roof is out now so it's time for a man that defined a generation with the brilliance of his vocals and the tightness of his trousers yeah. it's the one and only robert plant oh, right, well, do- i can't follow that yes i can uh, well you're gonna have to pal uh, congratulations good, what an album good morning thank you very much oh yeah. man it's beautiful yeah. i put it on yesterday uh, i I could have listened to it literally forever, but I had a thousand ankle bites around me at the time. Put it on again in the car this morning. I could have driven past London and just carried on. It's a bit, yeah, it's a great, you know, we've waited a long time to get back together, 14 years. So, uh, you know, it's just, uh, we call it Raise the Roof, and it's kind of raising the roof because it's something totally different. It's shunting the whole mood of what we do as singers a little bit further up the... Uh, up the yard arm. Right now, your relationship with Alison Krauss, I mean, your voices are clearly married. How are they getting on? Well, how's voices marriage are doing... working out? Oh, <laughs> magnificently, yeah. You can't fail when she's 5,000 miles away. You know, you talk when you need to. But, no, we're really good friends. And I guess there was a, quite a lot resting on whether or not we could pull this thing off, whether yeah. we could actually do it. You mm. know, uh, not that we didn't have the capability, but if the songs, the structure of the whole thing and, and the combination of the people around us wasn't right we're about to ditch it so it was tentative to begin with just going into it trying it out seeing what it's like is this working and then after about the third song it had a kind of drift to it yeah well i was gonna say that it rolls doesn't yeah, it you yeah. know and you know the, the, obviously the the tracks are separate but it just had this sort of um you know like a sound bath like a gong bath you just feel safe you know once you're in you're in yeah. and you sort of don't want to get out again no it's a it's a weird 
combination. It's, it's uh, I don't know, maybe we had a word with Mystic Meg. I have no it's idea. It's got a bit of that going on, I've yeah, got to say. Yeah, I mean, but the, maybe Mystic Meg is actually T-Bone Burnett, the producer. I mean, he's he's worked with Dylan. <laughs> he did Down From The Mountain, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He, he did the uh, Nashville TV show. He's just like this catalytic guy that's huge tall six foot five looming character that comes in with a history in rock and roll beyond all belief i mean when he was a kid he was on the rolling thunder review with dylan you know i'm he's and and we listen to him and quite often they're pearls of wisdom treasure wood uh, yeah <laughs> well, when, you, when you start listening to people in the studio you know it's got to be important well yeah i didn't think anybody should be producing uh, um, anything that I do because it's so schizoid. But now this is a focused up uh, works, adventure mate. that we've got. We it, share. It really works. You you put the listener at, at, at their ease because um, you know straight away you understand what's going on. Uh, now we're just talking off the air there about the fact we we live life forwards, but we have to learn about it in reverse. Ain't that the truth? I think Robert? so. Yeah. Well, I don't think uh, <clears throat> I don't think any of us ever reach. A, an absolute maturity but you can look back in Splendour was the name of a great movie you know but it doesn't always work like that you know you've got to learn as you go along um, I'd love to <clears throat> excuse me I'd love to visit any part of what I went through in the past and just but I wouldn't like to be that guy I'd just like to watch him yeah 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 you know so uh, yeah. would you have any advice for him or is that one of those silly questions that doesn't no I think about? I keep very quiet in the corner <laughs> in the corner yeah. little Jack Horner <laughs> yeah yeah just how do you do that planty <laughs> never mind the the uh, going across the ocean <laughs> I know I know and um, you know you just you also um, made reference to the fact that you know in Led Zepp you know it was over before it began almost um what, what do you mean by that well no it the explosions were spectacular and yeah. and look who could have been in a situation with such magnificent musicians yeah i mean john bonham and i were together on and off for maybe three or four years before you know the band broke and before we went down to london and to be in the company of uh, john paul jones and jimmy page they were like that was there were streets ahead. They were older, more mature. They were really switched on. And we've been like big fish in a little pond back up in the black country, mm. you know, telling everybody how good we were because we were 19. You know, we were 17, 18 and 19, you know. But once we teamed up with them, it was amazing. And the whole journey was incredible. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it wasn't. But that's how it is when you there's just four of you. And the infrastructure back then... And the support systems and stuff like that that you know exists now in contemporary music. We didn't have anything. We just had a manager, a tour manager, Richard Cole, Peter Grant managed us, and us, and a, a couple of bona fide roadies, and we were off. Yeah. Uh, so when things got tough, how much ministering was there? You know, when things got great, how much? It was just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's ministering, there's shepherding, there's protecting... Well, who knows? I mean, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I just seem to me that I just keep going to the pub. <laughs> but it, and also, but also, then you know, if you wanted to see whoever it was you liked, you had to go and see them. That was the yeah. only way it could happen. And yeah. and there was the magic, and there was the magnetism, and there was the event when yeah. you, when you went there on the night. You know, it was like you know, it, it was like it was it was more than ethereal, wasn't it? It was like yeah. it was it was a spiritual experience because you had to go to the temple of whatever it was. Well, yeah, there was no see. intercommunication. You just knew that you were going to go there. Somebody said. Little feet are playing or Sly yeah. and the Family Let's go. Stone. Can, can, yeah. can we get a ticket? Yeah. Can the you Chambers, get us in? Three Dog Night, Chambers Ooh. Brothers, all that stuff oh was insane. Goodness. It was just like, okay, we're going. Well, when? Now. Let's yeah. go. You know, yeah. so, but Led Zeppelin was the magnificent font. And the great thing is, <laughs> and about it, is that uh, Jimmy and I really, and John to some degree, shared this great history of rock and roll, which I'm now digging into with Alison, yeah. All right, before you go, and you really have got to go now because about 15 million people want to interview you in the next uh, 45 minutes. It takes once every three or four years this ever happens. So at the end of all this, I think that I will be swimming with the fish in the seven. But right. we're very grateful, pal. Uh, um, it's so good to see you guys. Just before you go, what's it all about? The whole thing? Yeah, what's it all about? Well, you and I have been pondering this as long as everybody else on the planet. There are people written books about it. The deal is to just do it to the the utmost of your ability mm. believe in it wholeheartedly 
don't compromise yourself because we haven't got forever. Yeah. And so I know that sounds a bit silly, but stick with good people, you know, and feed yourself off their positivity. Yeah. And li life is hard, so choose something that makes it worth it. Yeah. Well, and always watch Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because it could always be worse. Uh, it's, it's never going to be. Yeah, it's never going to be a dream, but it's nearly a dream. Robert Plant, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again, but it's always nice when I do, and I hope it happens. Chris Evans, I should do my utmost. <laughs> I should bring in my book and read you some absurd lyrics. Okay, I would love that anytime you damn well like. Ta da! <laughs> okay. Lots of love. See you guys. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He played a massive part in some of football's most iconic moments, but who is the man behind the moments? Well, you can find out. His autobiography, One, is out now, so please welcome a player that really left his Denmark on the game. It's the legendary Peter Schmeichel! Uh, hello, Peter! Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? Not too bad, not too bad. I mean, you talk you talk about music a lot in, in your book. You talk about um, lots of things. Red wine, living opposite Steve Bruce, um, you also give me the, gave me as a reader yesterday the best insight into Fergie time, which is is a thing, but it's not what people thought it was. Because you talk about um, you don't describe it as panic mode. What do you call it? Risk that, mode. Which one? R risk mode. Risk mode. Yeah. And so, so this was a thing that United <clears throat> did a lot with ten minutes to go um, in the nineties, um, basically for the whole of the nineties. If you were down with ten minutes to go, this was a thing, and therefore to the to the to the world looking on, it may have seemed like Fergie time. Just explain what was going on. Yeah. So sometimes it, and when people say, "Ah, oh, yeah, you you always had five minutes to get back in the game," and you know the referees was always on your side and all, and I, I kind of find. I find that kind of annoying in a way because we were, we were in a way we were gamblers. You know, if we were down, we would we would invest, we put more people forward, we would take risks at the back. I was trying to explain that and didn't. There, there wasn't a Fergie time doesn't cover it, so we came up with the uh, with the term risk mode. So basically, what it is is you you, as you get to closer to the end of the uh, of the game, you. Just literally just put more people up front. You don't play the nice game. You just make sure the ball gets into the opposite box and and then you take your chances from there. And then you accept that you are going to leave yourself short at the back. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because you've got literally got nothing to lose. And I suppose the myth comes from the fact this is why you used to score a lot of last-minute or last-minute winners and some of them would have been in injury time and because they were so painful to the opposition, they converted into Fergie time. Yeah. Fergie time is not really a bad term, to be honest, is it? It's, great, it's, it's a fantastic. Great. And also, you give you give me the best insight I've ever had to Alex Ferguson as a manager, but not by saying, "Oh, here's the story." I'm going to tell you how Alex Ferguson is a ma as a manager, but because you haven't ad adopted that attitude in the writing of the book, you g I get more of what was going on. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know. I, I, I think when you when you decide to do um, tell this story about yourself, I I use this very much as not therapy, but uh, getting into my 50s and changing my life as I did when I was around 50, got divorced, uh, married again. There's a lot of big, 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 massive changes in my life. And I I got to a point where I needed to make sense of everything. Yeah. So I kind of used this this uh, writing and, and talking to Jonathan, Jonathan Northcroft from the Sunday Times, who uh, who's has, has written it, uh, used it as a way of therapy. There's a lot of stories in there, stories about my father, which was important for me to find more information about him because he wasn't he was i tell you what he was holding back well of course he was he holding was, back he and you've been speaking yeah. for years you know um he couldn't leave the drink alone he was a spy he was a spy he was an actual a danish uh, spy is no, what he was polish oh, sorry, and, polish and danish, spy. Yeah. yeah well for both in the end both he was a double yeah. agent wasn't he well he was um and i also in the book i i say you know I, i've got no idea at what level i mean he keeps he was he was a, an artist a music a musician he was he was a pianist i mean what could he spy on what, <laughs> what, what? they all are dear <laughs> so i think it was very very low level but it was uh it was forced upon him uh to allow him to leave poland yeah, and, yeah. and come and, see, and live with my mother who was pregnant with my sister at the time so uh it was something he had to do he felt um even though he didn't want to do it okay i mean it's all it's brilliantly written by the way and it's beautifully paced you know and and it's, it's beautifully um that i didn't realize it was ghost written and it's 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 
the way the chapters are separated and the chronology and the skipping backwards and fast forwarding it's stunningly done that's why it's, it's such a fantastic page turner um tell us about the moment that alex ferguson came to your house in denmark to tell you that he wasn't going to sign you um actually the opposite well you know he told you he would sign you but just not then yeah yeah and uh, it, it was in my house i got a phone call of somebody who was helping my agent um and you know this is before the uh, the mobile phones so it was before i left training and said uh, come to my house after training which i mean it wasn't unusual for him to say that yeah, yeah. um and we've been this through this period where uh, or i've been through this period where with the club as manchester united had actually made an approach and my club bromby wouldn't let me go which i mean if i was a weaker person i would have cried every day because that was my dream so it wasn't unusual because obviously we we had to sort of you know plan what we're doing now so we had we had you know a couple of meetings in that period so i came to his house uh and there was alex ferguson and he was alex ferguson back then <laughs> not so alex and he he just you know stood up gave me his hand shook his hand and he said uh, um yeah i'm very very disappointed um i really wanted to sign you now uh, i've seen what i want so i'm going to come back for you in the summer uh, so play well, work hard, and I see you there. Stood up, shook my hand again, left for the airport, and went back to Manchester. I'm, I don't think I said anything. Just completely whoa. So and it was brilliant because my dream was going to come true. That that Manchester United was my big dream and right. always been, uh, and it gave me so much energy and so much um, belief in myself. Uh, and I decided that I want to be the best. Lovely to chat to you, my friend. Great to see you. Thank you, and great to see you as well. Happy Christmas. And you. Uh, Peter Schmeichel, it's a brilliant book. It doesn't stop, does it, Vass? It's really It's like great. a runaway Loved train. Loved it. One, my autobiography with a forward by Eric Cantona. Right, Peter's um, he's skinning out of here to go and meet Robert Plant. I don't blame him. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, we've heard from a bunch of sensational guests already, but still to come as the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky. World-beating runner Paula Radcliffe shares the story of her family's on-track 50-mile equator relay on Christmas Day. It's a fundraiser for Shoe for Africa. That's Shoe Number 4 Africa. And also the fascinating story of the women of Rothschild told us by the author, Natalie Livingston, invaluable advisor, Diana Chapman, live from Santa Cruz, I think it was, overnight, giving us her guide to leadership with her book, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And if you're not in charge of people, remember every morning you wake up in charge of yourself. And hey, that's enough. And documentary maker extraordinaire Reggie Yates tells us about his new hilarious directorial movie debut, Pirates out this week so let's get right back to it Dapper Dave who's next he spent years brewing up Moorish pop classics so why not send him on a mission to find Europe's other brilliant brewers all episodes of his new series Beer Masters are available now on Amazon Prime Video so here to tell us more is the richly hopped and perfectly popped James Blunt hi James good morning team how are you all doing we're doing very well how are you yeah I'm really well gosh you're all so sprightly and we looking so, so chirpy well because we love it we love our, our job yeah, it's fantastic we love our gig you know and we get to escape the chaos the madness of kids in the kitchen table and you know ankle biters ink and we get to come here see our pals and shed all responsibility for three and a half hours and play rock and roll music and talk to people like you great fun thank you for having me and we sometimes we get paid in the process (laughs) james i love beer masters it's a fantastic show i mean i really thought when they asked me if amazon (laughs) called and said you know will you be on a a new tv show that you're the host and it's about brewing beer i thought i'd died and gone to heaven this is immaculate 
and literally, I mean, it's like Bake Off, huge around the country Bake Off, but this is better. It's an upgrade where, um, yeah, where we just set a challenge for all these different, they're European finalists. They're Euro- and so, you know, in the time of Brexit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. how fantastic to celebrate our differences yeah. and our culture um, through the brewing of beer. Um, and, I, and I'm not an expert, so I have an expert uh, uh, with me, um, but I just get She's to taste it. She's amazing, by the way. She's a, a Tell us about brain. your beer guru. Um, Jager Wise, uh, she's, she lives in the East End of London. She has her own brewery herself, um, and she's like a beer sommelier. She yeah. really knows her stuff. Um, and it's inc- incredible listening to her. She really talks through beer so passionately with such knowledge that I really walked away learning so much more. And fortunately for me, I just I'm her sidekick. And mate, it's it's the, it is the gig from heaven. I mean, don't really get me wrong, you're you're blessed anyway, and you bring great things into the world. And you do. I mean, there's another story we could talk about because James averted World War Three, um, and we've talked about it before, but it's it might be true. So you've done that. Um, you've sold millions of albums. Um, you've got a lovely family. Um, but um, but brewing but brewing TV show, I can literally die now and go brew off. Go, it's, like, it's, and it's, call it quits. It's the, it's the it's the great European brew off. My only it's fear, my only great fear, is that there will be a Series two come out and they'll ask Dermot O'Leary no, to be the host. No, they won't. That. Because you, you, you don't. I was going to say you make it, which is unfair on everybody else, but you sort of do for me, and um, because I know that you're passionate about beer, you're also you have this lovely stillness about you. You have the stillness, you have this preciseness about you. And when I'm watching you on television as a host, which I never thought I would, by the way, you know, you make me feel at peace. And then once I'm at peace, I can learn about my beer, and I really want to learn about my beer. But you know. It's it's not sort of it's not sort of um, you know it's it's not a a brash sort of full of bravado kind of beer theme show. It's about craft. It's about care. It's about love. It's about vulnerability. It's about daring. All yeah. to do with beer. So the first episode one is about um, these these five teams of two people from all around Europe um, being challenged by a session ale. Can you come up with a session ale? Now just the phrase session ale. Yeah, it's like yeah. I want to. I want to be part of this because <laughs> a session ale is like it's a, it's a, it's like grazing yeah. in a glass, isn't yeah. it? You go grazing, you pick your beer garden, you pick your pals, you pick the day, and you go for a session. Yeah. Oh, mate. Just wonderful. <laughs> and there is real art and creativity. I mean, some I of these know. guys are, are growing things in their garden, and that's the things that they're then taking and, and putting in the ingredients. And so and some of them are legal. Yeah. Um, so it's a really fantastic, and it's you know it's a very warm feeling show. No one's no one's culled. No one's uh, literally in each team. Right. They make the thing, and if your beer is good enough to go into the final, in it goes. And, and at the end of the series, that beer is put online for them to then sell. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And I thought, how are they going to do this? How is it going to work? And that's exactly what I thought about Bake Off when I saw episode one. How is this going to, how are they going to sustain this? You know, 10 years on or whatever it is, the most yeah. successful telly and ex- te- t- UK TV export of the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years. But Brewmasters is so good. Where, where, is, where was your Brew HQ? Where is Brew that? Brew HQ is uh, just off Brick Lane. Right. Um, Lovely and building. Fantastic building. But I really enjoyed also the fact that they were all um, from different European countries. The fact that then, you know, off we went yep. um, and shot all across Europe in some beautiful parts of the world. Um, and, you know, what's not like to, to love about being in Rome, brewing beer in someone's, in someone's kitchen in, in Rome just, or across France? I just thought France. they wouldn't do that, you know, because I'm stupid, basically. But I thought, they're not good. why are they bringing IPA in Rome? Well, because they're beer lovers all over the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Beer brings us together. I know, and the Belgian couple—they are so good, man. And part, you know, part of the part of the challenge is to is to in episode one is to come up with a label uh, for your bottle because you know of, often people eat with their eyes and they think about drinking with their eyes, not only the colour of whatever it is they're about to drink. And I love that, you know, there's all all the pubs around where I live because we live in a lovely part of the world that has some amazing pubs. You know, all the local ales—they have a little sort of mini jam jar in front of the pump with a little bit of ale, in, so you can see what it looks like really fantastic so it's a little sort of mini window shopping kind of yeah. experience and then you know all great pubs say they say what do you fancy I, say, oh, I think i like that would you like a taste yeah fantastic you've got off of the taste haven't you yeah and so yeah and you you know you're excited as well because i own a pub <laughs> you own a pub um and you know these are really I, my mind was completely changed as well i normally just like a kind of pale yellow lager probably preferably from mexico with a lime in the top um these no. are kind of these are the things i've always enjoyed but my this show 
changed my outlook on beer. And it'll change your palate as well. Absolutely. And you know what? They were they were creating sour beers. That sounds terrible. I know. But it was delicious. It was incredible. I know. Um, dark, dark ales, which are like a kind of Christmas pudding almost, um, which I'm now addicted to. I've now been calling various people saying, we've got to change everything in my pub. We're, you know, completely restocking with some incredible ales. Yeah, I look, but the, you know, the labels, because one of the challenges, they get a graphic designer on board. Uh, they each get, a, they're gifted a graphic designer and they've got to design their own labels. And it says a lot about their mindset because, you know, first of all, you see all the different environments in which they're brewing their beer. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and you try, you try to sort of hold judgment there because we're always judging, aren't we? When we're observing things. Oh, they're this, are they a couple? Are they not a couple? Are they friends? Did they meet at work? All this kind of stuff goes on. A couple of aircraft engineers in there yep. who met at work. And, um, and then it comes to graphic design and you see more of their character because are they going to go for a picture or are they going to go for, 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 for words? You know, are they going to go Tracy Emin or are they going to go Damien Hurst or are they going to David Hockney somewhere in between? And again, it's really important. So Petit Dejeuner or Petit Dej, which is the French couple's beer, yeah. Session A on. Um, see, the one thing I thought was wrong with this label, do you know what it is? Well, it's orange. Um, that's all right. No one likes orange, really. So, so it's, it, but it has the words Petit Dej on, but they're too wide for you to see all at once. All at once. So I thought they should either make the lettering smaller so you could see Petit Dej as it sits on the shelf or just drop the edge and call it Petit D. Petit D. Petit D, which rolls off the tongue better. It does. Anyway, but it's, that's why it's fun because you just, yeah. I'm on board, man. Yeah. I, lo- I just wanted to come on and just tell you how much I love your beer show. Yeah, and do you know what? It's re- one of those things. I was stepping onto a show and being the host for the first time, you know, on the drive down there, I could feel myself a little nervous thinking, how's this going to go? Am I going to pull this off in any way? And it was such a warm, friendly environment. And, you know, the producers really loved beer too. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is, the, this is a really nice job. I'm really happy to get out of bed in the morning and go and do this job. This is really, I hope I, I hope I get invited back. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. All uh, right, Dapper Dave, who are we talking about? From and two. Kids TV to documentaries, our next guest is worth paying attention to. And now he's gone big screen. He's written and directed the new movie Pirates that's in cinemas from this Friday. And here to tell us all about his original pirate material is the always brilliant Reggie Yates. All right, Reggie. Hello, mate. Well done. Thank you very much. All right, so there's a gang of three, a brand new gang of three about to be unleashed on your cinema screens this Friday. Who are they? Uh, So we have a film out Friday the 26th called Pirates. It's about three lads driving from North London to South London. You'll like this, Chris, in the yellow Peugeot 205. I know. uh, Called the Custard Cream. And uh, it's all about them on New Year's Eve, essentially trying to get into the biggest party in town, which is twice as nice. So with it being set way back in the 90s, there's like loads of nostalgia hits and the soundtrack funnily enough, is all UK Garage, which is why I'm bopping like an idiot to this track that's playing now. This is in the movie, this song. Yeah, so it's all about YK2. Um, and YK2? Y2K. There it is. Sorry, y- Y2K. It's been, it's been a long morning. God, I have many children. I've not had any sleep. And I watched your film yesterday. And um, let's talk about the car first of all. A, where did you source it? B, did you respray it for the film? Because it looked like it had a recent... A pretty recent dodgy yellow paint job. <laughs> no, we wrapped it actually. Did so we did like one okay. of those lovely matte wraps, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, perfect yeah, for yeah, camera, yeah, so you yeah. don't get any reflections. Yeah. But it also looks a bit like otherworldly on camera. Yeah. So it looks a bit like a toy car. It looks like undercoat yellow. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. So, so your three protagonists, um, how do they know each other? Um, we know what they get up to. How does it begin? Uh, well, it starts with uh, one of our characters, Capo, the lead coming back from university and essentially trying to tell his friends that he can't be a part of their group anymore. Now, they're group is not that dissimilar to the group that I was in when I was a teenager. So before Radio 1... He's you. <laughs> no, he's not. Before I was on Radio 1, I was a, a pirate radio DJ. Um, and Whereabouts? Uh, on a radio station called Freak FM in North London. Right. And on a radio station called Taste FM in South London. I like to be city-wide, Chris. And what was your footprint? Um, about two or three miles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, not so cool. massive. I used to get you on the A40 <laughs> going home. And then, yeah, and then by the time you get home, you can't hear me anymore. <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, there's a garage crew made up of three friends and the manager of the group who can't MC or DJ decides that he wants to leave the group and focus on university. So essentially it's about them trying to get into this party but at the same time it's about their friendship breaking down and coming back together again. It's a coming of age movie essentially. It's beautiful is what it is. Mm. Um, you know, and did you find yourself, you know, you, you say he's not you, you're an, <laughs> they're an amalgam of you, you're an amalgam of them or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's, he's not that far off is he? Oh come on Chris, I wasn't the boring <laughs> one in my gang of friends. There's a bit of me in all of the characters. But he's 
he's not boring. He's just, he's just, he's conflicted. Yeah, he's the straight man and he's the grown up and he's the mature one. He's the first one to get his driver's license out of the group, which is why he's got this terrible little starter <laughs> car and he always mashes up the gear change whenever he's trying to pull away. But he's essentially their leader. He's the straight man and he keeps the group together in a lot of ways. Right, and because you've picked, um, you know, New Year's Eve 1999, mm. uh, it's a basis on, there's, there's so much going on there because Vass and I were talking about it, you know, and it's it's now, it's interesting how how sort of um, strong the stench of nostalgia is from some time as recent as 21 years ago. Yeah, uh, it's weird because you have to strike a balance when you're making a movie that's recent history, you know. You don't want it to be nostalgia porn. You want to have all the things in that make people... Yeah, but you people... can't rely on that, can it? Absolutely. Like, you have to have a strong script. You have to have the right jokes. But at the same time, like, at the premiere on Monday just gone, it was amazing when one of the characters pulls out his Motorola StarTac flip phone oh. and the whole room just went off because everyone was like, oh my God, remember those? Right, exactly. Even things like the ringtones yeah, were getting a laugh in the room because it's like, oh my God, I remember that. And you've got like Tamagotchis in there and the clothes are such a huge part yeah. of what make this film so but, specific to the But at the, the time, era. all cutting edge technology, wasn't it? Absolutely. Get your hands on one of those. Ridiculous. Like there's a, there's a scene where one of the kids is playing with his Tamagotchi and he's being interrupted by his friends and he's like, if I don't feed her, she'll be sad. And at the premiere, the whole room just went woof because yeah. we all remember doing that and having that and they real died. dedication. They used to die on you, didn't they? They did, yeah. And you had to be dedicated to this silly little yellow plastic egg. It was just ridiculous, but so funny. fun to see. Well, we were talking last week about the, the metaverse and about Roblox and things like that, right. you know, uh, and what may be going on with Facebook or not. But in a way, in a way, a Tamago- that's what a Tamagotchi was because it was, a, yeah. it was a, a virtual pet. So I it, think you're the first person that's made the metaverse Tamagotchi connection. But that, but that <laughs> is, I mean, but then I thought when you get to toys, because we were worried last week because Nike are saying now they're designing clothes purely for the metaverse. No. So your avatar can wear the new Nike stuff, but it's only metaverse products. Purely digital. Yeah, and kids are going to want all that stuff. So, wow. You know, and you think, how worried do I need to be about this? Yeah, but if you get a toy bus, it's not a real bus, it's a toy bus. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not that big a leap, really. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the weird thing about like promoting this film and having 99 so fresh in my mind is... I'm constantly reminded about how far we've come in terms of technology, you know, yeah. because these three kids, like one of the boys said it in a, in a Q&A that we did the other day, you know, if you were a teenager in 1999, you weren't distracted by your smartphone. You were talking to your mates. You weren't looking down at this yeah. little piece of technology. Just about. Yeah, just about. You, your, yeah. Your, your focus was your friends, which is why their friendship is the centre of this movie. And any movie recommendations other than your own from this year? Um, from this year, that's a difficult one. I, I, I cried in Ghostbusters Afterlife the other day. Did you? I did. I'm pathetic. Um, well, it's the first film that I watched over and over and over again. Right. The first Ghostbusters, right? right yeah, yeah. So to see it being done the way that it's been done so respectfully, I won't say any spoilers, but right. there is a moment in the film. I mean, the first time that you see the Ecto-1 and you hear that... Meh, meh, I started crying. <laughs> I was just sat in the cinema on my own, thank you God. big softie. I just, I love that movie so much. <laughs> so yeah, if you love Ghostbusters 1, that's pretty cool. But I'm not going to promote that. November 26th, go and see Pirates. <laughs> Have you seen... Um, no Time to Die. Uh, yes, of course. Yeah, gotcha. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, can't I, I, I you still can't that. talk about it. Apparently. I still can't talk about it. Still can't talk about it. Not yeah. allowed to talk about it. November 26th, Pirates. Yeah, um, <laughs> and, and also we just can't talk about it anyway. Uh, James Bond. Have you seen Last Night in Soho? Of course I have. I haven't seen it. Um, I, I Everybody's love, raving about it. Well, I love Edgar Wright and I've been a fan of his for years. In fact, um, when I started writing the first ever feature film screenplay I wrote, I gave to Edgar Wright. I bumped into him in Starbucks in Los Angeles. He didn't know who the hell I was. And I was like, listen, mate, I'm a massive fan. I love Spaced. I love Shaun of the Dead. Can I get your email and send you a script? And he gave me notes. It was so lovely. He's such a nice man. And I've not seen him since. I've not met him since. So um, yeah, I've got a lot of love for Edgar Wright and um, he's invested in young talent and he invested in me when he didn't need to. So respect. That's a very sound investment, mate. As far as, I think you're great, Reggie. You know I'm a big fan. You're, you're, you're a gentleman, Chris. Uh, Thank Reggie Yates, pirate. He's directed it. He's written it. He's made it happen. It was shit out because of COVID. He resurrected it because he doesn't know how not to get things done. Uh, 26th of November. Thanks, Reg. Thank you, Chris. You are more than welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Marathon success and world record glory is one thing, but raising a load of cash for people that need it is another. She's here to tell us all about the 50-mile fundraiser, Paula's Families on Track Equator Relay, all in aid of Shoe for Africa. So please welcome an athlete you only ever equate with quality. It's Paula Radcliffe. <laughs> Hello, Paula. <laughs> Hello, good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you today? 
Good, thank you. Very okay. good. Now, because you're you and you wear modesty, um, uh, you are your 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 genius. Um, lighter on um, your sleeveless shirt than anybody else that I've ever met in my life. You texted the frothy coffee man last week and said, "Can we give this a mention?" And we said, "Come on the show and talk about it." You went, "Really? Can I?" Yes, you can, Paula Radcliffe. <laughs> you definitely can. What's going on? Well, thank you. Um, so I am taking part in the Equator Relay out in uh, from the Equator to Eldoret, Kenya on Christmas Eve mm. on December the 24th. We're going to go out and take part in that. Um, Shoe for Africa got in touch with me after they read about Isla and everything that we'd been through there. And I was heartbroken and shocked to learn that where in Europe and in the Western world where the medical care is great, there's a one child in 10 um, sadly will lose their life to, to cancer but in Africa it's 9 in 10 so it's completely turned on its head um, primarily because it's just diagnosed so late and the treatment options aren't there there isn't one single paediatric cancer hospital on the whole of the sub-Saharan African continent no way. so this will be the first one so we are raising money by running they've raised the majority of the funds already but we're trying to add to that so I didn't want to just go out there and take part in the relay I wanted to actually take some money out with me and I know that the families on track supporters can do that so we're laying down a virtual challenge where you have from Saturday which was World Children's Day until we do it on Christmas Eve to log up your 50 miles as a family unit so 50 miles 80k whichever way you want to do it however you want to do it um, and all of the money will go towards the charity or to the charity. Right, so you get yourself sponsored and between now and Christmas Eve, you somehow get a relay of 50 miles done. Yeah, you basically just log up your 50 miles. Um, we don't really mind how you do it. Right. Whether you do it on, on Strava, whether you do it on Garmin, whether you do it on Nike Running, whatever you do it on, it doesn't matter whether you log it up on a little chart at home. It really doesn't matter. So fam- as a family unit. All right. Families or, on- or as a school. Okay, so familiesontrack.co.uk is where you need to go. Once again, familiesontrack.co.uk. And when do you set off, Paula? Um, we set up, well, we leave on the 17th of December mm. and we head out there. And then on Christmas, on the 23rd, we go into Eldoret. And then I think 5 a.m. on Christmas Eve, we head, head off to the equator. And then we'll come back running and then we'll throw the first shovels of earth in on constructing the hospital. What a beautiful way to celebrate Christmas. Well, it's going to be a Christmas with a difference. I think you've got to absolutely make it up to, to the kids uh, and Gary as well for Christmas with a difference. So we're go- we are going to do a safari first and then we're going to go out and do this. And then on Christmas Day, we're actually going to run a Families on Track event at one of the schools and bring some families in. And then we're going to go and visit orphanages on Christmas Day as well. Oh, my goodness me. Christmas you will literally never forget, Paul. That's so cool, man. That's fantastic. And uh, Families on Track events, they're just so much fun anyway. Um, But uh, they'll never have been a more meaningful one than this until now. Absolutely. And because we're asking families to just go on through familiesontrack.co.uk and set up their own Just Giving page, Nike have come on board and we will send out T-shirts to anybody who raises over £50 on their Just Giving page. But all of the funds will go directly to the Just Giving site. So we're not taking a penny of that. Right now, Paula, you are awesome. Um, Are you good for 50 miles? How are the legs? (laughs) <laughs> I'm hoping I'll be all right. I was planning on doing it all of the 50 miles, but they've actually said, you know what, then we're going to get in and it's going to be too dark to do any of the ceremonies. So we are taking part with it as a relay. Um, and there will be the likes of Emmanuel Career. I think Elliot Kipchoge might even come in to join oh, in the last 10K. Wow. So, yeah, a little bit of help there. All right, Paula, great to talk to you. If I don't see you before Christmas, I'll talk to you. Happy Christmas and thanks for this. It's Thank awesome. You. Cheers. You too. Right, familiesontrack.co.uk, 50 miles before Christmas. Come on, we very dare you. Anyway, anyhow. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. She topped the charts with the mistresses of Clifton and is now aiming to right some historical wrongs. Her new book, The Women of Rothschild, is out now and here to tell us all about the forgotten women of a world-changing family is a writer that couldn't be writer. It's Natalie Livingstone! Good morning, Natalie! Morning, thank you very much for having me. How are you me. doing? Very good, thank you. Uh, now, you've been on before, uh, The Mystery of Clibden, Sunday Times bestseller, um, but this book here, here you go, The Women of Rothschild, um, the untold story of the, mo- the world's most famous dynasty, um, the women, that is, until now. All right, so I was around yours um, a while ago, 
back and you were you were talking about this story you were enthusing effusively about this story and about these women uh, how did it all begin their story begins with an exclusion. There's a will in 1812 and the founding father of the Rothschild dynasty excludes the women. He disinherits them. So he basically sets the tone for their lives for the for the following 250 years. Right. And all the men, of course, um, you know, eventually world famous pretty much. But the women silenced. So, so what did they do? They subverted expectations. They every area of life that you can think of from literature, science, art, music, they decided that they were going to dominate. And all of this was done in secret. And this is the story that we were not meant to hear. <laughs> it's to a great hear. story. And who was the leader of the pack? Oh, well, there are so many leaders of the pack. I mean, there are two women who really, really stand out for me. I mean, this is a music show. So I guess the jazz baroness, Nika, who on the eve of her 40th birthday, listened to a record by a jazz musician called the Theolonius Monk. She fell in love with Theolonius Monk. She decided that she was going to leave her husband and her four children decamped to New York. She became a patron of the jazz scene there. She became known as the jazz baroness. She drag raced Miles Davis throughout Manhattan. She lived in various hotel rooms. She created an absolute storm and a furore. She got sent to prison a couple of times and she was a Rothschild. Okay, so and so... Um there wasn't just one trailblazer, though. It seemed to, you know, it was in the blood, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, whatever area you look at, there is a Rothschild woman who was a trailblazer <laughs> in that particular area. OK, so g give us some more examples. Well, Miriam Rothschild, who was my favourite one, she was known as a queen of fleas. A journalist once said, if you prepare, you need to prepare for a, for a meeting with Miriam Rothschild. Think of Beatrix Potter on amphetamines and you become close. I mean, Miriam was a true polymath. She was obsessed with fleas. She was a world expert on fleas. She described looking at fleas under a microscope as giving her a bigger high than marijuana. She was also a really, really passionate environmentalist. I mean, before there was Stella McCartney, there was Miriam Rothschild. She refused to wear leather. She, in fact, wore Wellington boots to go to Buckingham Palace because she was so passionate about not wearing leather. She was a vegetarian. She was at the forefront of fighting for, for men mental health. She helped write the Wolfenden Report in which homosexuality was, de was decriminalised. And she was a decoder at Bletchley Park during the Second World War. And wow. that was just in the first half of her life. OK. And so, so who, who was the sort of uh, founding mother, founding sister of this chain of fantastic feisty females? Well, it goes right back to 1812. And the founding mother of the Rothschild dynasty was this woman called Gutula Schnapper, who unbelievably... Where was she? Where, where about... uh, she was in the Frankfurt ghetto, right. which is where the story begins. Right. Um, and she unbelievably had... No she was pregnant 19 times. Can you imagine 19? 10 of her children survived. Um, and there are famously five sons, but not so famously five daughters. And my story starts with one of the daughters who was affected by the terms of the will and she gets shipped off to London and um, is forced to marry. And as these these women, um, you know, continued to... to um to, to break the mould, as it were, and, and speak up and, and refuse uh, to be beaten down or to be sort of battened down, if you like, or hidden away. What was the reaction to the male counterparts at the time? What, what, what well, they just hid the stories. I mean, they hid their letters. They hid their diaries. I mean, the, the women were silenced. Um, so it was it was just a question of, you know, there a lot of that. It was about a navigation and negotiation. And a lot of the work was done. For example, um, uh, when the women wrote books, it wasn't under their names. All oh, right. I mm. see. So it's, because I was saying some some of the things they achieved became and continued to be world renowned. So you can't really hide that. But they had to do it with a sense of subterfuge. Exactly. And also it was about making their own way. Miriam, for example, wasn't educated, <laughs> but she took herself to Polytechnic at night and she taught herself how to become a zoologist and then won eight, was awarded eight honorary doctorates and became the first female um, trustee of the Natural History Museum. So was there a tipping point of acceptance from the men to the women? 
Well, I, I think the more successful they became and the more they chipped away at it, the men just had to accept the fact that these were extraordinary women. And while the bank was something that the Rothschilds were initially associated with, actually it was a women who gave the family flavour and colour and fascination. <laughs> All right, Natalie, it's awesome. Uh, the Women of Rothschild by Natalie Livingston, the untold story of the world's uh, most famous dynasty, is out now? Yes, it is. It is um, available on Amazon and all good bookshops. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Brilliant. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave, who might we be talking to now live from Santa Cruz? She specialises in inspiring and positive relationship building, which she can even do at one o'clock in the morning local time. Her book, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, is out now. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you feel the need, the need to lead, listen up to the wonderful Diana Chapman. Good morning, Diana. Good morning. Oh, thanks so much for staying up so late to talk to us or getting up early. I'm not quite sure which. My great pleasure. Happy to be with you all. Uh, Diana, you are awesome. Your book is awesome. Um, Let's get straight in there. Diana, let's begin with Step Away from the Drama Triangle. All right. (laughs) So what is it? Um, How do we spot it? And most importantly, how the heck do we avoid it? Okay, so this got created by a guy named Stephen Cartman, who's a psychologist back in the 70s. And he said, most of us learned how to do relationship by being in a state of victimhood. And that was what was role modeled to us. And there's three unique flavors of the victimhood model. When the first one is the pure victim and the few in the fear in the pure victim, it's hard. I'm trying. I don't have any power. There's a lot of whining in this victim role. And you're always believing that somehow, you know, you're at the effect of some consequence or situation or person out there. That's the role of the victim. The villain's job is to blame. We can blame yourselves. You know, I should be more of this. I shouldn't be like this. We can blame another and we can blame them because we all know who they are, who are screwing up for the rest of us. And then the final role in the drama triangle is the hero. And the hero's job is to seek temporary relief. So you're exhausted at the end of the day. You go home and find something that can give you some temporary relief, whether that's watching the television or having a drink or some other thing that gives you that relief. And we can also hero other people. Uh, We can hero groups of people that sometimes we call philanthropies and always the hero's job is always just temporary. We give them short term fix and then we have to do it again. And that's how you know you're a hero. So is it ever good to be in the drama triangle? Well, it's great because there are lots of payoffs to those of us who are in the drama triangle. These are strategies that we've created to survive. We're wired to go into this drama triangle. So it's not a bad thing. But the challenge is, is that being in the drama triangle creates drama and it takes a lot of energy. And so there are other options that we can use besides going into this more reactive state that our brain is often wired to do. And it's uh, sometimes useful and uh, it's it's easier to spot uh, someone else in the drama triangle, isn't it, than, than know when you're in it yourself. Yes, it's very easy to spot somebody else and most people will deny, I'm not in the drama triangle, I'm just trying to tell you how you should do things. Oh my God. <laughs> I've got a few friends who I think just live on drama, but of course, easy for me to say. Yeah, well, there are people, clients I've said, who've said to me, Diana, I'm not sure if I've ever not been in the drama triangle my entire life. And I think that is true for some of us because that's just how the world's been role modeled to us. Yeah, and of course you can swap roles within the drama triangle. Absolutely. So we're moving around from these different roles. And, you know, if somebody else comes into the drama triangle with me, it might push me over to a different role. And so, it, you know, it all of it sounds like na 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 in the end. And because we're in the drama triangle, which is basically hyperbolization, exaggeration of what's going on, or a story that doesn't exist in the first place, it's all a useful distraction to what really is taking place. Correct. Oftentimes we're in the drama triangle because we don't want to feel more authentic feelings. Mm. Uh, and or we're afraid to face something that we don't want to face or make a choice that we are you know, afraid that if we choose this might cause 
some upset for our others or ourselves. Right. So that's where we live um, when we're mostly in denial. And from that, let's let's imagine those corners of the triangle with various springboards or or 10 metre platforms. Let's dive off in in some different directions. So um, friends, uh, our our own sort of internal friends, when we find ourselves in certain situations to give us the courage to step out of the drama triangle or not be swallowed up by it. So, for example, how useful is our own witness to a situation that we find ourselves in, the, the safety of the witness. Well, if you've got a good developed witness, you can watch yourself. And so, you know, if you heard my witness, it'd say like, oh, check you out, Diana, you're getting reactive here. Uh, and so that witness can help me pause and notice myself. So I have an opportunity to shift out of that triangle if I want to. Um, and so with practice, um, one could be able to interrupt their drama triangling by observing themselves. And you have this beautiful thing, don't you, to do with counterthink, which I know is a practice that works a lot in recovery and all different aspects of psychological um, um, challenging and challenges, which is, you know, whatever you think is happening, bear in mind that the opposite could be happening and not necessarily um, the positive opposite, but the negative can be as useful. But it's bearing in mind the two that could happen and also ultimately bearing in mind that neither of them are actually happening in this moment. Yes, the idea is that there are facts occurring which camera would record and then we interpret those facts with a story and the idea is that when you're in the drama triangle you really want to be right about your story you want to prove it right whereas if you're off the drama triangle you are more available to see maybe the story i'm making up isn't true maybe the opposite could be at least as true which allows me to learn and grow much more effectively diana thank you so much what are you going to do right now in santa cruz i'm heading back to bed <laughs> Thanks so much for getting up to talk to us. You are so welcome. My pleasure. And um, I'll put some resources up. We'll make a page just for your show. So everything that we've talked about here, I'll have uh, more information for your listeners. You are awesome. You're awesome. Thank you, Diana. You're welcome. Be well. Good night. God bless. Be well yourself. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.